Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are on episode number 17 of Blowing Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart. I can't believe it, man. Time flies. But I'm telling you, we're having a great time. I'm having a great time. And so far, the guests seem to be enjoying it. I haven't received any uh, cease and desist orders, so everything must be going pretty well. This time around, we're talking to Scott Mountain. You guys might know Scott from his role as Jeff Tate's right-hand man in Operation Mindcrime over the past few years. Operation Mindcrime turned out a trilogy of albums that consisted of The Key, Resurrection, and capped things off with The New Reality. Scott was also featured on Jeff Tate's debut solo album, which was, again, another outstanding creation from Jeff's part that totally showed another side of his creativity. Scott was really gracious enough to take the time out from their busy tour schedule while cruising down the road on their awesome tour bus to talk to little old me and we talked about his humble beginnings as a jazz guitar player we talked about his relationship with jeff tate and we talked about just why he is not tired of playing the operation mind crime album in its entirety night after night this was a really fun interview and a really great way to get to know somebody that uh, hell that we know very little about so um get comfortable hang out and enjoy getting to know Scott Mountain of Operation Mindcrime and Jeff Tate. So let's do this right here on Blowing Wind with a Great Southern Brain Fart. Welcome to uh, Blow and Win with the Great Southern Brain Fart. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I always get a little chuckle at the name. People don't know what to what to make of it, but you know. Uh, um, yeah, it cracks me up every time I look at it. <laughs> Well, you know, it was funny when I, you know, Jeff and I had a talk about this when we first um, talked uh, a few years back and said, you know, it's always important to create an identity for yourself. And this was uh, a nickname that was kind of given to me by a couple of friends. And I said, you know, if I'm going to do a blog, I want to make sure that it's the only one that comes up when someone goes to Google it. So if you ever Google it, I'm the first one you'll get. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's awesome. I love it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. You're on quite an extensive tour right now with Jeff and the boys. So um, this is a whole new lineup, though, from what I'm used to seeing you with in the past. It is. It is. It's a a bunch of young guys, and they're from from Europe. So Uh, how is that... How, because um, there's so much I want to ask you about you and everything, but I figured we would just start off with this. Though, but like, just when you get comfortable, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, how hard is that for you? Um, because pretty much now you are Jeff's right hand man, and so right. to, so to go from a lineup that was pretty solid, even though there were some changes here and there, there always seems to be. Um, a level of consistency to it. So with a whole new lineup like this, um, how, how was it for you and how hard was it to to get reacquainted with the material with new people and whatnot? Well, it's always difficult, especially with this particular album we're doing. 
Um, but uh, Jeff kind of put me in charge of, uh, of getting the square away when uh, he hired them. Uh-huh. So we we, uh, we went to uh, Ireland uh, before we kicked off the European tour and rehearsed for a week in Ireland with these guys. And, uh, you know, we had 14-hour days, and uh, just, it was just, you know, a lot of nitpicking uh, because, uh, you know, there's so much thumb teeth in, in Queen's Right material, and especially that album. Uh you know, and so there was a lot of, uh, you know, a little, a lot of fun, a little bit of frustration, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but we, we, we made it fun, just pretty in charge of, of uh, you know, uh, making sure it was all good, because he, he generally uh, doesn't like to hang out at rehearsals while stuff's getting worked out, so I, it, was just, it was up to me to, to uh, make sure everything was cool for when he, he came to the final instead of rehearsals. So, but yeah, it was just, you know, I guess kind of used to it. Uh, we've had a lot of member changes because it's, it's, it's just says it's not really a band, it's a project. And, uh, it's a, uh, it doesn't really matter so much who's playing as long as they're capable. Right. And so it's it just, uh, we found some really young guys that were, were talented and, uh, and you just had to do a little bit of molding, get them whipped into shape. But mm-hmm. they, they did real well. I'm real proud of them. They're, uh, you know, they're like, 20 year old kids and, right. and uh, for them it's, it's just a dream come true uh, and for me it's fun to watch them uh, you know shine doing what they love to do see and that's that's absolutely amazing because when Jeff and I spoke uh, for our, our for our podcast interview one of the things he had pointed out to me was that he had, he was talking to Alice Cooper and he was asking Alice Cooper so how do you do this how do you, and Alice said I work with young people all the time they always kind of keep the fire under me and they make me they they really push me and I have to say I mean I've been a Queensryche fan since 88 I've been you know I've been a Jeff fan through his solo albums through all the incarnations of Operation Mindcrime and that show that I saw the other night was by far the best I've seen since since Queensryche in my opinion there was just so much energy and so much passion and fire and it really came through in the performance so can I just yeah it, it, that's, it, that's the youth energy that uh, it, it pushes us to be a little more uh Left, or a little less complacent, I guess it, it would be the right word for it, uh, on stage. And so, you know, and, and it's fun to be able to interact with these young kids, and it kind of brings back uh, my fire from my youth as a musician. Well, because that's what I was going to say, was you really seemed to shine a lot more than I'd seen you in in the previous uh, shows that I've seen you do. And it was really cool to see you really kind of coming out front and really embracing that Embracing your role, really. Oh, maybe it was the tight leather pants too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, it's like, I gotta I get out know. of these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I couldn't get my arm in one of those, to be honest. You know, I mean, so you're doing something right, man. I guess. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a struggle every night. I tell you. Well, so I know you also had some experience in the past playing with, uh, and I get the poor chap's name wrong all the time. Is it Kieran? Kieran. Kieran, yes, the guitar. But when you guys did the acoustic tour. Um, Yeah. So um, going back to the acoustic tour, which is something I wanted to ask you about, um, how was that for you 
going into the Queensryche material for that because being primary electric stuff, you know, Jeff really took that down to the bones. And I was curious from your standpoint as a guitar player, um, what was were there some unexpected challenges there with uh, bringing that music down to the core? Uh, there was a lot of unexpected challenges. Um, what, uh, I'll give you a little backstory on that. Uh, when, uh, when Jeff decided to do the acoustic tour, uh, she had, uh, found an Irish, a young Irish band, uh, with, uh, street busters. And I thought that would be really cool to have these extra, uh, you know, different instruments like cello, violin, and whatnot. And, uh, and then he came to me and when I was, I was in Seattle with him and, and he said, uh, this is my song list and this is what I want to do. Um, can you help or can you convert it to acoustic? So I spent a couple months in my studio uh, experimenting and then I, I, I kind of recorded with acoustic when I, you know, like two different acoustic guitars so there's going to be two acoustic uh, basic ways of, of uh, converting her. So I, I spent a lot of time. Some, some of them translated really easily. Others were quite a challenge, uh, but I just uh, worked with it and worked with it. And uh, then I recorded uh, final versions and then I sent them off to the kids in Ireland and then they, they took it from there and then we showed up for rehearsals and they had it all, all down. It was pretty good. So what were the more challenging ones? Because I would assume it would be the less obvious ones. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure silent lucidity and things like that were less challenging than whatever. But what were the what were the ones that were the more challenging to really bring it into that core? Um, you you're gonna make me remember the song list. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, um, well, I, I, well like, what I do remember is I remember like you guys opened that tour with Walk in the Shadows, and I remember thinking was, to myself, "That is not what I expected." You know, that was one. That was one of them. That was one of the ones that was you know, took a little uh, uh, work on. And the first thing there's that crazy solo in the middle that we had to figure out a way to do it, but you know, make it sound like it, but make it playable on an acoustic. So. That was difficult. Uh, you believe, uh, believe it or not, another one that was difficult was uh, Silent City because the song is, you know, it's beautiful and it's got all these ethereal uh, orchestra. And but it was going to be missing that. And uh, just as uh, how can we replace that and make it uh, make it uh, presentable? So you hear some of these these. these uh, string melodies and whatnot. We did, we did have a violin to take care of some of it, but uh, what I did was I, I, I created a whole other guitar part that uh, for uh, the second guitar to play that uh, did a lot of the uh, string melodies uh, but arpeggiating on, on an acoustic guitar. Uh -huh. And so that, that was difficult. That's, that, that was one that took me a few days to actually uh, put together. And, and so it's, it actually wasn't obvious. It was an obvious song for acoustic, but it wasn't, you know, obvious to be to sound the same. Because without the strings, it's the song. It's really uh, kind of almost. I don't want to say generic. That's the wrong word. But it's it's lacking the swells and, and the uh, and the uh, uh, the beauty of the song. It, it just it gets stripped down to the to just the, the guitar riff. 
which is is tool, but after a while, it kind of, you know, it, it doesn't go anywhere I mean, without without that orchestra. It's almost like it's too sparse, you know, like... Exactly, exactly. That's so funny because I never would have thought about that because as much as I've listened to that song, as much as I've loved that, it's kind of like listening to, like, I would say, like, maybe say, like, what you would consider a simple Pink Floyd song, you know, like, comfortably numb or whatever. But if you stripped that down to acoustic, it would not... Even though it sounds like, oh, I could pull that off. It, it without all those layers, you're missing a lot of the dynamic and a lot of the 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 meat there, you know. Yeah, and and there's there's melodies in there that you that you don't realize that uh, you you know that hook of that melody until it's gone, and then it's like, oh, I was expecting to hear that there, and it, you know, it's so it's one of those songs that really requires um, everything, and so it was a real challenge to to. Of course, we had a we had a, a violin and a cello, right? That, that helped, but uh, it, it's not uh, the fullness of a full orchestra, obviously. I just thought that tour was such a brilliant tour, and I and I I would love to see him do it again. I I pers- I told them even myself. I said. I hope you recorded some of those shows because, to me, that that was like probably the ultimate way to see see that music presented. And you know, being a fan for so long, when you can see the music, you know, you know Jeff even told me himself that when him and Chris DeGarmo were writing for Empire, that DeGarmo basically was just like, we need to make these songs so that they can be played on any instrument and any capacity you know and i never thought about queens rikes music like that because it's it, to me it's so full of color and so vivid and then so to hear it so stripped down it just seemed so natural yeah it was uh you know and uh and i mean it totally makes sense uh knowing the garment like the way the way he was he, he was a uh, uh, very into classical music and whatnot so uh I know that he used some of his uh, his love for classical music in, in writing clean back stuff. And, uh, you know, even when you strip it down to acoustic, uh, it, um, it still shows. And it, and it creates a lot of melody for Jeff to, uh, to be able to sing over, you know. And that's why the things are talking so good. So... You guys are on the 30th anniversary tour of Mind Crime. Of, of course, a lot of people, you, you, whatever you want to call them, haters, keyboard warriors, whatever, they're all like, oh my God, he's milking it again. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, nobody dogs on Roger Waters for doing the wall a million times. But anyway, um, like, from your perspective, did you go into it thinking, uh, not again? Or like, was it more like, I'm actually looking forward to this. Oh, I was looking forward to it. It's, it's my favorite set to play. Uh, it's just so fun. Uh, and it, it's just the way it flows, you know, throughout the show. And when, every night uh, when we get get to the end of the album section, it's like, wow, it's over already. It, it goes by so fast for me because it's so fun to play. I felt that way as an audience member because a lot of a lot of my friends that I was talking to that especially some friends I knew that were going to the show we were all talking about how equally excited we were because we were like 
how can you complain about hearing one of your favorite all-time albums played live? And not only played live, but played extremely well live, you know? Like, it's such a rare occasion. I mean, it would be, you know, it's... And, and you know, I know Jeff said that this was going to be the the last time that he was possibly going to do this. And that this was also, uh, from what I understand, the last run as Operation Mindcrime. Now, are you going to continue your work with Jeff in the future? Um, or is this kind of end of the road for you? Or is it kind of like, no comment, Don. Can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's uh, definitely not the end of the road because I've been with Jeff off and on since 1999. I've done, I did a solo album. Back then, I, I did a... a uh, charity uh, album called Stone Cold Queen, where we uh, it was a, a group of uh, famous guitar player singers that uh, uh, did an eight uh, thing, playing a bunch of Queen songs. I, I've done the three Operation Mindfire albums with him, and, right. and him and I were just talking yesterday. You know, was, uh, I'm going to be sending him more more song material uh, on my break I got coming up this uh, fall. So I don't we, I don't know. Jeff, Jeff isn't uh, sure exactly what's going on. That we're going to be doing in the future, but I'm I've been in Fargo for so long that uh, I'm sure that uh, I'll still be you'll still be stuck with me. <laughs> well, I kind of love that because I feel like Jeff, as amazing as he is, he benefits from having um, a right hand man, and obviously you've been his go to guy, like you said, you know, for through through the the Trinity al albums and then um, with the solo material. I personally would love to see Jeff go out and do some of that solo material that I have not even had a chance to hear him do yet. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got two absolutely amazing solo records. You know, I mean, just nudge him on that one for me, you know? <laughs> I'm not so sure I want to. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, tell no, me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I did not say that. No, you're, like, no, I, you're like, you're like, uh, I can't erase that, dude. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it's good material and it, it's fun to play, too. Uh, um what I really want to do, and Jeff also expressed the same interest, is uh, eventually here do do a a run, probably a limited run because it'll be so theatrical and it'll be so uh, uh, kind of a long show. Do the, the the trilogy in its entirety. Oh, now that would be really great because I love those albums. So that would be a lot of fun, and and, and so you know it would be it it, it would require venues to do it and whatnot so uh, you know it probably wouldn't be a full tour but uh, yeah there's lots of options out there uh, for the future it just seems like that with Jeff being on, which, to be totally honest, I was one of those folks that was heartbroken when the whole Queensryche split happened, but I, I was always very heavily linked and connected, you know, on, on an emotional level to, to Jeff and to uh, Chris DeGarmo. So when Jeff kind of broke off, I almost felt like it, to me, it was for the best it felt like because all of a sudden I felt like he just had this outpouring of of art that was maybe a little too contained by Queensryche where like now he can he can be Jeff he can do his thing and his thing is pretty fucking fantastic to be honest you know <laughs> yeah well he was you know 
being in the same group of guys for many years kind of puts you in a little bit of a box. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, things right was uh, excellent at adapting, changing, you know. And, oh, yeah. And Jeff was just, Jeff was just telling me the other day uh, uh, that they were, uh, uh, when they went to the Here Now Frontier and the Promised Land albums, you know, they changed quite a bit. But, and people would be saying, like, where's the guitars? And, but, but the songs are full of guitars. They, they, they were like, where, more, I think they were thinking more like, where's all the, the chunky, j- 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 type guitars, you know? And, uh, but uh, they, they just, and I was asking them, I said, did you, did you uh, change because of the, the times you changed? Like, no, we just, we just uh, were uh, doing things to please ourselves and what we like. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so we were just kind of expanding our horizon. So they, that was kind of an interesting story. I didn't even know, and I've known Jeff for since 1989. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> that's, know, a, that's so a, a, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, that, that, that's so cool to hear because I, I, I told Jeff once that like that my favorite Queensrack album was Promised Land, and he was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I kind of felt put on the spot, but I told him, I said, because you know when Promised Land came out, I was really turning into an adult. I was, you know, I was, bec- I was coming into my own as a person. I was not far from leaving home for the first time and technology was coming in so to me that album personified everything that i was experiencing as i watched the world grow you know so i'm 44 so when that album came out when i was in my early 20s you know i was just old enough you know i wasn't a teenager and i wasn't a full-fledged grown-up but i was watching the world grow and change in a way that that album was kind of the soundtrack to that change. Do you know what I mean? And I do. so when I exp- explained that to him, he said, I never thought about it that way, but that's like one of my least favorite records. <laughs> and I was so like, that, well, it's still mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> that era of Queen's uh, Rack is one of my favorite songs. The, or my favorite Queen's Rack song is Out of Mind. I think that song is oh. genius. You know, uh, and so there, there was a lot of, when they expanded to, to doing different things, I don't know. I I uh, I got even more attached to Queen Jack myself. See, that's they, yeah. they had they expanded and you know a whole bunch of different things. And you know, I personally uh, I grew up on a jazz background and uh, uh, and stuff like that. And so for me, you know, I like variety myself. And so it, it I really appreciated them even more uh, as they their career progressed. So I tried to find information on you, and you're you're a pretty tough guy to find some info on. So I'm curious <laughs> to find out. So where where did your journey begin um, as far as being a musician and doing what you do? Oh man, it's a long story. I'll be 55 here in February, and I just got my first guitar at five. So that's gonna be my. Uh, 50 years of playing guitar here shortly and uh wow i don't know i uh i i grew up playing jazz i, I love jazz my dad loved jazz and uh and so i took 15 years of jazz lessons as a kid and a little bit of uh classical and spanish and make so and uh, but i started playing uh especially in 1979 uh playing at high school dances <laughs> i was 14 years old oh and wow so I, yeah so I did that, you know, and then did the typical thing when everybody does. I started playing bars at, at 18 and whatnot. And, uh, 
And uh, in, I think I was 32, I um, was in a band, a blues band called the Booty Roosters. It's about two records. And uh, we had Tower Power Horn section playing with us. And uh, we were on AAA radio for a little while, but just kind of, um, we were acquainted back then, but we, we kind of became, uh, I, uh, I don't want to say a fan because he never actually said that but uh, he used to ch- <laughs> I don't want to put it out there you know but the, but he learned all our material and uh, would come out and do cameo appearances on saxophone with our horn section and uh and oh, that's so awesome that. that's awesome yeah, so, dude <laughs> so that's that, that's kind of how I really got involved with him and uh, then when uh, our rec- when the record industry tanked we lost the record deal and he uh and then he called me up. I was like, I was about ready to retire. I was like, I don't want to start over with a new band and try and you know, go through all that again. And then he called me up about three months after uh, he disbanded and uh, he asked me, hey, you want to you write and record a solo album with you? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Sign me up. <laughs> and, and so that, that's, when I, that's when we started the solo project. And then, you know, I've been around with him off and on with that tech for... I was a guitar tech for a while for uh, Jeff Hickson's act, and then and then when he when he put together the uh, the operation like that, he, he called me up and offered me a job. Man, so, yeah. I've been I've been around for a while with Jeff. It's been a long time relationship. That has got to be probably one of the greatest Reader's Digest versions of a of a story <laughs> that I've heard because you covered all the bases, man. And I was like, that's great. That's a great story, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's 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 a long one, but I try to condense it for you. Well, so as a jazz guy, when did when did um hard rock and metal music really grab your attention? Oh, when I was like 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was one of those guys that uh I was listening to Maiden and Priest and all that with my friends and and uh, but then I go home and put on my Billy Cobham album or <laughs> you know, and <laughs> listen to jazz. I was also a big closet funk fan. I listened to Parliament and bands like that too. But I never told my friends because they were like, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so, so yeah. I love that. I like love I said, hearing a, it. Like I said, I'm just a guy in the variety, so I like a lot of different stuff. I love hearing that so much because I can't tell you how many different artists, especially, you know, because I, I talk to a lot of hard rock and metal bands, and even though, I, for, you know, my my podcast and my website covers a spectrum from, like, you know, I mean, I've talked to everybody from, you know, Captain Beyond and Roger Manning of Jellyfish to, like, members of Exodus, you know, so, like, if I love right. it, I talk to them, but what I always love is that there's this common thread amongst musicians that they have this love and appreciation for music that they don't play so like it was super interesting to me to hear you know to be sitting on the back of in the back of the bus with the drummer from exodus and him going open arms by journey is one of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard my entire (laughs) life you know and then hearing the keyboard player from jellyfish who was a 90s pop guy talking about how he used to go to dead kennedy shows in san francisco and stand next to james hatfield from metallica (laughs) so so, but i love hearing that because i think it shows that as musicians especially when there's a broad palette of appreciation that it it bleeds into your craft, not even just into your listening. Absolutely, I think every every accomplished musician, uh, experienced musician, you 
you, you've got to like it, all style music, you know? You, you have to. Uh, it, to be that accomplished, really, because mm-hmm. um, even, uh, you know, uh, when you write, even some metal bands uh, will put the occasional classical uh, themes in there or, or you know, even some little jazzy guy. And uh, so, and it's, it's them trying to, you know, throw something a little extra in that they enjoy and that they can't, don't normally do because you know, maybe the fans might not enjoy it as much as you do, but it, it's like a, it's like a need almost that you want it. You gotta, you gotta put something else in there sometimes, you know, and with Jeff, it's really easy to do because he just doesn't care. He, he, he loves everything. And it's like, I remember when we, we uh, did the first solo, man, it's like, so we were getting together and like, what, trying to write. So what kind of style of music do you want to do? Any, just anything you've got I don't care what style is uh, just throw it at me and we'll, and we'll see if anything sticks and so that was like eye opening for me when I first started working on it and it's been like that ever since uh, writing for him is, is a joy well because that's also the, to me that's a sign of a true artist who doesn't ex- who doesn't expect to reside within a box and they can say things right. like that just hey give me what you got and if it's something that we can work with Let's do it, and it, it, and even even if it's something we can't work with, it let's let's challenge ourselves and try to see if we can. Exactly, mm-hmm. you know this, this whole thing. This whole thing has come about over the last twenty years of the genre, uh, and uh, Jeff is really trying to emphasize this with me. That's one of the things I love about him is that that genres, the word genre or the concept of genre is created by the media. It's like it's like trying to put you in a box. And uh, you know, like, are you metal? Are you are you prog rock? Are you, you know, death metal and black metal? It's like all these different things. It's like, what? What are you talking about? You know, that's the way I look at it. Like, <laughs> you know, I listen to some of those different genres and go, I can't tell a difference. You know, what are you what are you talking about? It's it's rock. See, that's so funny because that's why if you go to my website, it says metal, hard rock. Classic, psych, occult—they're like the broadest of the genres that I could come up with. Because to me, like metal is metal, like occult rock is its own thing, psychedelic rock is its own thing, you know. But like when I started here, I get so many emails from publicists asking me to cover bands of like subgenres of sub subgenres. Like I started, I got one one time that was blackened death metal I'm like what is that like like a like a death metal band seasoned and grilled I don't know I I mean I yeah. don't understand like like are you death metal are you black metal like what you know it's it's this whole creation of like you said of, of box, little boxes to put things exactly. in and I hate that to be honest because I hate having so I. to put a title to something you know me too. It's like, what? What is it? You sprinkle? You sprinkle some uh, some Cajun spice on it? I don't know. <laughs> That's what actually what I said too. The, the 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 publicist wasn't so entertained when I said that, but it was hey, you know, I was like, hey, you sent it to me, so it's open game here. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so. So you've so you've done you've done the you've done the Trinity albums, which again, like I said, I, I, I felt like really should have gotten a lot more attention because I thought they were really fantastic, and you know, and Jeff has that kind of mind to be able to do that. So um, 
you've done the Trinity albums, you've done the Mind Crime album, you've done the um, the uh, acoustic tour. Is there a Queensryche song that you have yet to play that you're just like, Jeff, come on, man, let's just do this one. Let's do this one. Um. Yeah, I think so. Um. I actually did the song once in the solo tour, but it, we we changed it so drastically that it wasn't the same song, and it's it's Lady Jane. Oh, what an amazing song! Love, I love that song. Uh, but uh, I haven't been able to listen to that. But just no time. <laughs> There's plenty of time. Look, and, and, and trust me, if you if you want, I'll even send you some suggestions through Facebook that you can just be like, oh, by the way, so and so wants to hear this. <laughs> you know? oh, sure. Well, sure, so, go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, right. I'll take any ammo, any ammo I can get. <laughs> Be like, oh, by the way, Jeff, Don wants you to play, uh, you know, Promised Land in its entirety. And I'm sure I'll get blacklisted from every show after that. But, you know, know, (laughs) although, you know, I still still stand behind that that's such an incredible record, you know, but... uh, It really is a good record. You know. I I agree. But, um, so, um, of the songs that you have played, what have you found that you find yourself connected with more so like where you find a kind of you know and I hate to go there because you know it it it, it, it encompasses so many things but almost kind of an emotional slash spiritual connection with and when I mean spiritual I don't necessarily mean religious but do you know what I mean like it's sure. kind of like strong feeling um, what song or songs do you feel that with when you play um, when we did the acoustic tour it's definitely out of mind uh it's, I love that song. It's my favorite song. But not only that, the lyrics are are uh, outstanding. They're make, story itself. It made me cry like when I heard that acoustic. Chilling, by the way. chilling, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that's probably the one uh, uh, that I'd say that uh, really gets me every time I play it. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful tune, and it's like one of the standout tracks from that album. That just whenever I hear it, I'm like, you know, you just get that that goosebump, you know, <laughs> like all over your exactly. body. <laughs> it's and there's, a, there's another song uh, called Way of the World that we did on the last summer's run, and it's about a dear friend of Jess and mine. And, uh, I didn't know that's who the song is about until uh, one day he announced it on in the jury show. And I, it was after, I, for the rest of that run, I could, I could, um, barely stopped from like cheering up knowing that it was about my our friend uh, who had a heart attack and uh, and uh, it's such a it brought a massive meaning to that song for me and and I, I and it has a really long guitar solo at the end and I, I played the crap out of that solo uh, uh, differently I think I had been before my feelings for that song playing it's a long song so as it built up to that solo I just get all these emotions around it and uh, I actually had somebody uh, videotape a couple of them because I, I wanted to see the translator. It was, uh, it was really a, 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 an emotional song for me to play, and it probably always will be. That's amazing because when... I mean, that must have been an amazing feeling for you to feel that change once you knew what the song was about. To it was all profound. Of, I mean, I don't think I've ever had 
that big of a change of heart about a song in my life. And once I found out what it was about, it's like, oh my God, that was, that, that's what this is about. And, you know, nobody ever told me. I've, I've known the, the gentleman for many, many years, and he he never told me, and neither did Jeff. And then he just he said it one day and it, on stage, and it's like, I could barely play the song for that, that day. <laughs> Let me tell you, as a songwriter and as a musician myself, like those are the moments that you almost pray for. Like, I'm not even religious. And I would love a moment where I could play a song that was written by somebody else that I didn't know. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, like, it was a revelation where I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know? Like, that's just, that's got to be the most incredible feeling. It, it was. It was. It was. I, I think I went into shock for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> like what? A, what a way to put you on the spot, though, right there. <laughs> I, I literally could not sing my backup harmonies that day. I, every time I went to sing them, I, I was all choked up, and and the, nothing came out. It's like, oh my gosh! I just didn't. I, yeah, I was just like, it was beautiful, but it was also like shocking. That's an incredible story, Scott. I am so glad you shared that. I mean, that, that those, these are the kind of stories that make me love what I do, is when I get to hear someone share something like that. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I, so it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It was really uh, something that I don't think I'll ever experience again. So what's what's next for you guys? So so you guys are like, what, halfway through the tour at this point? Uh, you've, still got a, uh, you've, still, no. you've still got a little ways to go, right? Yeah, not quite. Well, it depends if you, if you include the, the two Europe runs we've already done. But uh, yeah, if, if you include those, yeah, it's, it's uh, over the halfway mark now. Uh -huh. For the summer run, I think we got four more shows this run, and then uh, we're, we're taking a uh, quick break in, in July and then back out in August. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Great. So you, you guys will do some more of that. And then, what, probably off into secret land where we won't hear anything until we'll get little blips of news every now and then. <laughs> well, we're, we're heading back to Europe uh, for a while again in November, December, I think. In the, Jeff's, Jeff's uh, in 2019, uh, uh, he did a guest appearance with a band called Adaptasia out of Europe. And, uh, oh, yes, yes, I'm familiar. Yeah, uh, uh, Tobias Samet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's uh, he's going off to do some touring with them for a bit, and um, and so nothing uh, gets booked out that far. Uh, so I have no idea uh, when it gets back what, what's going to be going on after that. I usually I usually find out on our Facebook page where we're, <laughs> where we're going <laughs> once once the uh, the uh, uh, the booking agent releases the date. So. Stuff doesn't get booked out, you know, a year in advance. It's usually like four to five, six months out. So I don't know yet what's going on with 2019 other than that. That's funny. I actually have a friend of mine who's in a band, which I will remain, which will remain unnamed, where he actually texted me once and said, is there any way you can go on our Facebook page and tell me if we're playing the city? <laughs> because the tour dates went out before they texted him, and he was just like, somebody just asked me if we're playing this, and I can't get Facebook up on my phone. Can you tell me if we're playing in Austin or something like that? And I was thinking to myself, like, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not uncommon, actually. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, the the book the bookie process with the management and all that stuff they get so wrapped up in what's going on and sometimes forget forget to let us know but but I'll find out within a day but just uh, you know it's kind of funny it does happen.
Well, so in the time being, what, what's on the plate for you? I mean, do you kind of envision yourself doing some other projects, maybe some solo stuff, or are you just going to kind of hang tight? Uh, so what is Scott going to do with himself? Um, actually, I have a, a few projects that um, I'm involved with, uh, trying to get some stuff down on the road. It's kind of hard, but uh, I'm uh, working on it with, with Kelly Gray, the um, Institute. Form, one of the former Trump players of Kings Right Candy, which is Operation My Crime, right. up until last year. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's working on a solo project of his own, and uh, he's asked me to uh, do some uh, playing with him, hopefully collaborating too. And uh, and I'm also working on a, uh, this may sound crazy, but a musical. Really? Well, what can yeah. you tell me about that? Um. Uh, it's still in its infancy stages, and Shelly Gray is also involved in this. Uh, uh, and a guy named Mike Ferguson. Uh, that um, it, it's it's kind of a I can give you a little bit. It's kind of a story about a, a flagging musician that uh, uh, you know trying to fight the has been uh, blues, I guess you would call it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I don't have a script for it yet. It's being, it's still being written, and uh, I just know the overview, and uh, and so it's probably, it's probably, it's a long process. It's probably two years out before it's uh, presentable to anybody. Oh, that's cool. So, you, so you're you're involved in the score, basically, like scoring the music. Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's the first time I've been involved with something this extensive, and it's a lot of work. I was just gonna say I can have I I did some work one time with another musician years ago uh, for a soundtrack for a documentary. It was like a very independent documentary, and that is not the kind of musical work I thought I was ever gonna do. And I and needless to say, I've never done it again. <laughs> I was like, because I I just remember going, you you turn something in, and the guy would come back, and he'd be like, I need something more sad more sad and I'd be like more sad like I, I can't translate that into music you know you need to tell me a little more about that you know so that's uh, actually uh, reminds me of something that might be relevant uh, when when uh, Jeff first uh, uh, put together this uh, operation my time uh, we took a year to we were trying to write all three albums at, at the same time and we came close but they didn't quite make it but uh, I was like well I, I had no idea what the storyline was and he wasn't really at, the, at that point uh, wanting to divulge it much about it so it's like well how do I write something I don't know what the story's going to be he, says, he said to me well how about this uh, write me three sad songs write me three angry songs and write me uh, three happy songs. And, and uh, so I went back to my studio and, and <laughs> I was like, okay. And and so then I just started uh, coming up with stuff and I started, ang- I named them like Angry One, Angry Two, Angry Three. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then I, and then I just, uh, you know, sent them MP3s of it, you know, saying, and it just started. And I wrote 48 songs in that year. Uh, just, just threw threw them at them to see if anything stuck, and they all had crazy weird names like that. And uh, so it was it was kind of funny in hindsight thinking about it. But you just reminded me of that by saying that. 
that's interesting though that's a, that's another great little tidbit that um, because and, and then to hear them manifest into something must have been really cool you know oh yeah and the funny thing was is I you know when I when I sent them to them uh, I had a vision in my mind of how the song might go you know or and uh, sometimes I would you know listen to certain artists to inspire me for something a certain motion mm-hmm. that maybe it, that I it, that artist created a need and then not that I was copying them just trying to get the vibe and uh, and then I'd send it to them saying okay this is going to be a heavy rocking song it'd be really cool and then uh, and then it comes back to me you know I don't hear anything of it I didn't even know if he was going to use these songs and then, and then all of a sudden he'll you know, send me something back saying uh, what do you think and it'd be he had taken it somewhere completely different than I would thought but, it, <laughs> but the thing is it was it was always cooler than what I had it in mind originally and it's like I didn't see it coming it's like wow that just blew my mind it, uh, and sometimes I, like like when uh, I go into re- uh, record my tracks the final track and stuff and and uh, they'd send me uh, the reworked versions where Jeff and Kelly had uh, chopped them apart and I didn't even recognize my own song at first it's it, you know uh, because it had been so altered but to me I'm not one of those guys that, that cares about that. As long as, as, long as the song it turns out, you know, really good, I don't care what you do to it. Uh, my idea. And so sometimes I was like, oh, I wonder who wrote this. And then, and then like, 20 seconds of the song, it's like, oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because we... Um, I talk about this with my band a lot also because I, you know, I'm the songwriter in my band and I bring the songs to them and you know, I'm not a bassist and I'm not a drummer and those two are very skilled musicians and you know, very schooled musicians and they're very good at what they do and sometimes some of the things they come up with are you, completely change the mood, change everything about the direction of the song where I thought it was going to go and my, my, my thought is always it, what's best for the song is what's more important. The song is way more important than my ego. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that's cool that you have that mentality. You know? Yeah, I think uh, I think songs that it, that are written by one guy only. Now there are there are definitely exceptions. There's there's some outstanding you know songwriters that that don't apply. But uh, I think it's it's it, you're you're throwing away dimensions that that could be added to the song. Um, by by saying no, it's my way, the highway on on my song. No. Oh, absolutely! And, uh, yeah, I mean that's why I formed a band in the first place because I'm such a simplistic music. I mean, so I, I play in a roots rock band, kind of folk rock stuff, and um, you know, and I love it. And I've been playing that kind of music for you know over 20 years now. But being a simplistic musician, playing with musicians who are very skilled, is is a treat for me. Because it's almost like I tell people I, I feel like I give them a line drawing and they they bring me back like a Picasso, you know. And I'm like, wow, you did that with the, you came up with all that for this song, <laughs> like okay, and, I, and that's great. I'm I'm happy with that, you know. So as, as as a writer, I love seeing the song, you know, flourish, you know, and become something. Exactly, and especially since the Operation Mike Prime has always been uh, termed a project. Uh, it's a project, the group mind, you know, and so you can't, you wouldn't hire anybody that didn't have that mentality. You can't uh, in a project. It's got to be, you know, 
a group thing. You, you, you throw your idea in the hat, and then uh, uh, the rest of the guys pull the rabbit out, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, because a project really is just that. It's a project. It's all hands in the pot, you know? Exactly. So, well. well hey, I, no, and you still got, and you also, okay. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, I was you, just. You also got to be, have, be, have, be able to see at the time saying, you know, no, that's stupid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, that's what I was actually going to interject is that is that you got to be able to say like, hey, you know what? I don't know about this, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and then everybody's got to be in the, the mindset, you know, why do you think that? Well, because of this, this, and this. And then, oh, okay. Well, I see what you're saying. Maybe you're right. You know, and nobody can nobody can be too hardline about anything and be able to be criticized in a friendly way, of course. Right, but you, but you also got to be prepared to be overruled too. Just be like, oh darn it! All right, fine, I'll play it that way. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, especially working with Kelly Gray. <laughs> I'll be sure. I to, love him to death. I'll be sure to tag him, to him in this on Facebook so he sees it. There you go. <laughs> well, Scott, I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, I I loved getting to know you, and uh, you're awesome, and what a great job you're doing with Jeff, and I. Can't can't wait to see more and see what comes up in the future. Well, thank you, Don. I appreciate that. It's fun. All right, great. Well, look, we'll talk soon and have a great rest of your tour. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. Here is redundant. It's the same pollution. The radical left has no power, and the right, no solution. No solution.